If you enjoyed podcasts like this, you should check out our other shows on Health Podcast Network. For example, Better with Dr. Erica, hosted by Dr. Erica, provides support and guidance in navigating stress-related challenges to transform your relationship to self-care. Each episode arms you with the tools needed to be better, do better, and live better. There was an incredible episode that you should check out called Touch and Connections as Tools for Healing and Better Mental Health. In this episode, her guest breaks down ways to use physical touch as a form of healing for trauma and grief. Check out Better with Dr. Erica on your favorite podcast platform or visit healthpodcastnetwork.com. Welcome to Highway to Health. I'm Jeremy Quinby. In this episode, I have a conversation with Karen Weidenmuller. She treated me to a beautiful dinner at her home in Brooklyn, New York, and then we dug into her career in health, her education at Naropa University in Boulder, her early experience in social work with adolescents and young adults, and the challenges she encountered, which led her to her work as a Gestalt and EMDR therapist. She shared some of her daily rituals and gives her simplified definition of health as feeling yourself as a whole being, a balanced state of our physical, emotional, cognitive, and spiritual parts, and how all of this information is connected in us. Some profound stuff in this conversation. Without further ado, here is our conversation. So, Karen, I've been, been waiting to have a conversation with you for a long time. I, we, we met uh, when I got to treat your, your son. How many years ago? Uh, two years ago. Two years ago, maybe? Yeah. yeah. Got to work with your whole family now. It's yep. so nice. It's very nice to have you. Yeah. So, I, I, we've also started doing a little collaborative work together, and I'm just you know more curious about the kind of work that you do. You've told me some. I've read a little bit, but I'm I'm kind of curious to get back into in, into the start of your career, how you how you ended up doing what you're doing, and just a little bit more about about the the kind of uh, art of your practice, I guess. Sure. So where did you where did you go to school? Where did you do your training for? I did go to Naropa in Boulder, okay. Naropa University. It's a, a university that's been founded by a Buddhist, and so everything is based on contemplative practice. Did a lot of uh, meditation, awareness practices, and they also have Gestalt therapy as their main approach to therapy, which is a more experiential form of therapy, very body based. And um, I had been working with a Gestalt therapist when I therapy myself as a client beginning 20s it's in my 20s it's pretty common actually in germany not so common here you, did you start doing it in the states or, or in germany? well the tra the uh, therapy as a client i did in germany okay and then i also a while later uh, in my early 30s i worked with a therapist who has a strong meditation background and we did some more transpersonal psychology approach and I found both in Boulder at Naropa University, mm. and that's why I decided to study there, because I think it's really important to work with the body, but also emotions, obviously, and thoughts are important, and the spirit is important, too. Yeah. And and what, what did you do before that? Well, before that, I actually studied social work and then worked for, uh, I did my internship in a couple of different places, and 
um, though I liked the work, I didn't like um, so much. It, it felt like there was something about trying to help people that didn't feel empowering to me. It felt to me that uh, a lot of what was happening in the counseling situation with young adolescents where I worked and young adults was more disempowering for them. Yeah. And so I did not really like that part. And yeah. I also was very much into music and accidentally, uh, yeah, started working for a conductor and choir and orchestra and then organized opera productions and music festivals and um, concert tours. And That's right. I loved I it that. for 10 years yeah. and then decided after I had done my second a round of therapy and I loved it. I loved the work. I loved um, growing and changing and getting to know myself and then came back to more, okay, what do I want to do? And realized, yeah, I want to be become a therapist and work with people, but in a more empowered kind of way and not so much in, in a position of authority that I know what's mm -hmm. good for the person, but to do that collaboratively. And um, I love Gestalt therapy because it's very cooperative and also we're very much in the present moment we do experiments it's a little bit like improvising like in jazz yeah explain <laughs> so I, I have a little background training and just all but i'd like to you know maybe if, if you could sum it up for yeah. any listeners who don't have experience with it yeah i mean the short version of it instead of talking about things mm -hmm. we work with it in the present moment so if someone comes for example and says or if a couple comes, for example, and they say, oh, we had this conflict the other day. Instead of talking about it, I say, so what happened? Basically, let's let's look at it right now and then we can slow it down and people can notice, oh, this is what's happening right now in my body. So they can notice things that they usually don't happen because things happen way too fast. Yeah. So we slow it down, but we also look at what's the dynamic and it's it's right there everything is basically right there and then instead of talking about what happened we can see what happens in the present moment instead of going back in time and yeah. exploring you know what might have led to this and all these yeah. things well and i mean it's it's interesting to look at right where for example where do things come from yeah. but it's only relevant if it shows up in the present Isn't, moment yeah. and then oftentimes when we have more of a felt sense of what's happening mm -hmm. it's easier actually to go back to where is this coming from what does that remind me of because it's it's lit up, so to speak. You you have the the thoughts and the emotions and the sensations, and you feel it all at the same time. And it reminds you, let's say, when you were five or seven, or the situation in school with your classmates, or so. Do you, do you do that through the feeling, like yeah. So so yeah. Have you had, like sort of have you felt have you had this yeah. feeling before? Does it remind you of something, or yeah. is this familiar, or where do you know that from, or? Who are you talking to right now? Is this your husband or is this your father or, mm -hmm. you know, yeah. or a combination of your parents? But we're not going back into the past just for the sake of going back into the past. But we want to see, so what What of the old patterns is coming up right now? Um, and you're still doing it the same way that you did then. But you know, you have other options now. And yeah. then we can work with the other options in the moment. And, and is there anyone in, in particular who you feel like benefits from this kind of therapy? Any any specific uh, conditions or groups of people or anything that you tend to find especially beneficial for? I'm, I, 
I mean, I think it's beneficial for everybody to get in touch with their body and be experiential. But then, of course, there are people who are more drawn towards it because they already do that, for example. Yeah. So I work with a lot of musicians and actors and and people in, you know, in, in the arts. Um, but there are also people who, like, I work with a lot of teachers and, and they're interested in exploring themselves in a more experiential kind of way. Yeah. And for some people, that's a little harder to do. Yeah. But I think eventually they yeah, think get into of, it. I think a lot of people get led to these. I mean, I've just noticed in my my career, the people who have done something else get led to this. Say it could be a yoga practice. It could even be a sport. You know, yeah. just being so embodied in something yeah. that they've, they're really able to connect into the feeling in their body. Yeah then they want to understand that feeling that's going on. So they need that, that next sort of level layer, yeah. <laughs> peeling back that next layer. <laughs> yeah. Well, it, I, and for me, it makes so much sense. If you want to get to experience yourself fully, which if we're talking about what health is, for me, that really is about uh, feeling yourself as a whole being. Yeah. And that's based on what we're sensing and the sensory motor uh, aspect and so the physical aspect and then also the emotional and the cognitive and the spiritual part and how that's connected and I think we feel best at least for myself I can say that I feel best when I feel like I'm in a balanced place with all of these and am connected with all of these sources of information yeah what, so what does that balance look like for you I'm I'm, I'm curious do, do you have any 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 rituals daily practices anything that that you use yeah, for me, I mean, part of the reason why I did go to Naropa University is because I had a meditation practice and I also worked with a therapist. She was very, she used an approach where we did a lot of visualization and had an aspect of integrating all the different parts of yourself. Mm -hmm. It's called psychosynthesis. I, I, I know about psychosynthesis. Yeah. Uh, did we talk about this before? I think we have briefly I, it, it a was, while ago, though. The, I'm actually getting ready to take a course. Uh, in in Winnipeg with, oh, yeah? with this uh, guy Stan Jerome, who is he's in one of the older teachers at the Upledger Institute, where uh, Doctor Upledger started this this training program for craniosacral down in Florida, and he was one of his early proteges, and he's still teaching. He's an amazing guy. In fact, I think I might have a conversation with him, which I'm very excited. Oh, about. that is so cool! But he, can't wait he to was, hear that. He was uh, a body worker and also ended up in becoming a therapist and does psychosynthesis. Uh -huh. And he sort of turned me on to that maybe like five years ago and I started reading about it. And it really does, I mean, as as the name suggests, it blends <laughs> some, <Yeah. laughs> some, of, some of the things that I've, you know, Jungian concepts and just all. Yeah, well, and, and I think a lot of different approaches have that. They use different words for it. I mean, there's a whole approach now that's called internal family systems where um, – Basically, the approach is to look at your different parts, not in terms of, you know, the different aspects that we have in ourselves, like a critical part and then also a wise part or a very practical part. They call it the internal family system mm -hmm. and they work with it on a systemic, more systemic kind of level, how the parts relate with each other, who is more a protector, who is more um, uh, a part that's maybe hidden. Um but it's basically, it's based on psychosynthesis, I think, was the first person to really develop that, is an Italian guy called Roberto Assagioli. Yeah. And he already 
set up therapy in a way that feels a little different. So he calls the therapist, for example, a guide. Mm -hmm. And so it's much more, I think, collaborative, but also taps into that if when we're connected and we set the space for healing, that we go with the or organic um, transformation that wants to happen, basically. And so it's a that's what we call a transpersonal approach because right. it includes the spiritual element of it and firmly believes that we all have a tendency towards growth and transformation and, and healing. And it really sets up the, the empowered dynamic yeah. in, in the situation. Yeah. Which I, I feel like just must as well. Yeah, absolutely. How, how do, what, what do you do for, in, in terms of, uh, you know, working with that dynamic? Because I'm sure we, you, you know, I, as in my practice, I get people who come in because I work with chronic pain a lot, mm -hmm. who definitely need sort of a hand-holding period. But then we, we get to a point where, you know, I start to change the, the you know, start to turn things over to them. How do you do it in, in Gestalt? Yeah, I mean, it's, um, Gestalt is very much, it's, it's very clear that everybody has their, their self-responsibility, so to speak, and that we have agency and that you meet the person. And so as therapists, we're oftentimes more, I think, more, um, more open with our own experience and show up more yeah. with, with what's happening for us right now because what people do outside, they also do in therapy sessions and to get to know yourself in relationship to someone else. This yeah. is where the growth is happening. So as a therapist, you're also sharing too? Yeah. yeah. But I mean, only, of course, if it's relevant for the right. person. Yeah. It's not about telling them something about me, but if I feel it's helpful in the moment or just what my experience is of the person in that moment. However, I mean, the more I learn, for example, about trauma, which I'm very interested in, or addiction, I've worked a long time yeah. in a substance abuse treatment center, I've also learned that in the beginning, oftentimes, there needs to be a stabilizing um, period where people can learn some more skills to feel really regulated, because if we're constantly... Uh, activated and anxious, for example, or very depressed, there's a, there's very little movement happening unless we come into a place where we feel we can think and feel at the same time, where we're contactful and can experiment. Yeah. And so then, I mean, I still come from a Gestalt perspective, but it's then a little more focused on learning some skills, for example, how to ground yourself and how to regulate yourself in a, in a, uh, in a way that you can be present in the session or in your life for that matter. So can we go back for a second? I'm, I'm, sure. I'm interested in, in in seeing sort of what what your career trajectory was. So when you got out of Naropa, where, where did you where did you start with your you know early training and and early work? Yeah, I mean, I I think I was very very lucky to be at Naropa because I got a lot of we got all the teachers who teach there are also in private practice or they work in agencies and so mm -hmm. they're very much connected with what people bring and what they're what they're looking for and what the the difficulties or challenges are so there was immediately a, a strong focus on trauma um, which I think is the basic of a lot of um, of depression and addiction and anxiety is yeah. basically trauma that has not been processed 
And so having teachers who led me already in that direction or that perspective, I worked in a mental health clinic for a while. Okay. And it was basically for people who didn't have any money. So yeah. there were all different kinds of people with different challenges. So it got me a really broad perspective. And then I moved back to New York and started uh, working in a substance abuse treatment center with groups and couples and families and also mainly though individual. And that was really a great experience because I got to see, you know, um, what the underlying trauma basically is, how people are trying to regulate. And that's been my fascination ever since to see if we can look at, so what happened and how, how people are trying. And when I say regulate, I basically mean being able to tolerate experiences or feeling good for a while. Yeah. And we all do that in some form or other. And I think there's some more beneficial kind of ways that, that help you, um, yeah, feel good versus getting into more destructive cycle around the addiction piece. Yeah. yeah. And, and the cycle thing is something that I, I deal with so much. I think we relate very well on this because there is this kind of patterned, um, response or uh, behavioral patterning yeah. that starts to happen where you you it, it really is programmed in, into our nervous system after a while we don't even realize that yeah. we've sort of be, become accustomed to a certain way of being or a certain way of experiencing the world and and I'm, I'm kind of interested to hear then what what you do in a situation like that in, in terms of in terms of talk therapy yeah, and this is where I find the talk therapy has definitely its limits. Yeah. <laughs> right, because, because um, and I learned more. I, I did also training in sensory motor psychotherapy, yeah, yeah. which is a trauma-based um, therapy approach where it's it's very based on neuroscience and and it looks at or understands, we understand more and more now how, for example, these pattern um how they develop and why we keep doing what we're doing because they worked at a certain time. Mm-hmm. And we think there is a certain outcome, which is usually true, but they also, with addiction, they change, right? That good feeling doesn't last as long anymore. You can't really quite reach it like the first time. And right. so there's, right? And we learned, though, that it's not just a thought pattern, but there's an emotional response, there is a physical sensation, or even a a procedural way of how we learn things like riding a bike. We don't have to think about it anymore. We know how to do this and body, mind and emotions work together on this. So we have to slow the process down and to, and really see. So as you're thinking that what's the emotion that goes with that. And when you feel that, what is it like in your body? So you can exactly. And then you help people, receive a different kind of experience that they had before and then they can learn a new way of doing things which creates a new pathway in the brain yeah and if you do that um slowly in a mindful kind of way and have a few repetitions this is the new patterning you're repatterning your brain but this is where it's so important to slow it down and create awareness of how you're doing it. So one of the most important questions is not why are you doing this, it's how are you doing this? So you become aware of that. And then you see, so what other options do you have? What else? How else could you do it? So is there a point in talk therapy where 
you, you said earlier, uh, there's there are limits. Is is, mm-hmm. is there? I mean, you've been doing this long enough that you became interested in exploring, you know, a, a way to deal with the limitation. Is is there yeah. a point at which you recognize that limit? Is what does that look like? Um, well, it's a little. I mean, obviously, I talk, but since I as a client, first experience Gestalt therapy and not really talk therapy. Yeah. Uh, I don't have a lot of experience okay. with talk <laughs> therapy. Um, but what I'm aware of is when people have had talk therapy, you know, they come in quite differently than someone, for example, who hasn't had talk therapy and is um, doesn't quite know how to do it. So even that has become procedural. You come in and you talk about your week and the story because you have the same reactions or similar reactions than when it happened. So if you repeat the story, you ingrain the experience that you have. Let's mm-hmm. say someone is complaining about something and feels like a victim. You recreate that experience again, over and yeah. over. And so then there's very little movement. And yeah. that's why where the talk therapy, I think, is limited. You can have an insight, but that doesn't mean you change actually what you do because it's not just the thought that needs to change but your whole physical and emotional experience so so how how would you say uh, gestalt differs from talk therapy or how do, how do you how do you differentiate that kind of experience when you're working with people well i mean very very simply put if if someone talks about something as i mentioned earlier we ask them to bring it in the present tense mm-hmm. so even not to talk about it in the past tense but in the present tense and to notice what is happening while they're talking and so i might say you know is it okay if i interrupt you right now i'm noticing as you're talking about this your shoulder is going up. Mm. And I always ask for permission because it's a little tricky because yeah. you're observing someone, so to speak, and you're pointing something out. Yeah. In that. So we ask for permission. And then if they're interested, we can explore that. Yeah. And, and, and then and we and let the body speak. Yeah, ultimately right? you're trying to get them to embody that Exactly, experience. yeah. And we can say, so what's your shoulder saying, for example? Yeah. And it's in some ways it's very simple. Yeah. Um, but this is where you get actually really body and mind and emotions connected yeah. and then get into a new place of improved health. Yeah. If you look at health as an, um, a wholesome experience or an, and an integrated experience where every, where you're aware of everything. Yeah. And, and it's, and it's interesting, the overlap between our, our yeah. work, I mean, because yeah. we, it's, it's part of why we start to, you know, we we have to understand some of the say archetypes, the Im- imagery uses, so that we're aware when when someone gives us one of these things that we're able to keep them present in their body in that moment. Yes, um, and and also just just to have a sense of of what this person might be experiencing, not telling them what they're experiencing, yes. <laughs> but you know, if, right. they, if they give us an image that's so strong, like I, yeah, you know, I. I had someone who who said, you know, it feels like I have a deadbolt in my knee, and I'm I'm working around the leg, and so um, one one way to kind of get a sense of of how they're feeling is is then just to ask a follow up question to that, right. what which is, I, I'm I'm just I'm just curious. I try to stay in that curious mode of yeah, you know, the first thing that comes to my mind is 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 it locked or unlocked. 
Right. I want to. I want to have a sense of how you know what. What does that feel like in your body? Mm-hmm. And yeah, and it right. really takes. I mean, and because I have hands on the whole time, I really feel the shift happen as soon as they give me the answer. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah. And I don't have to necessarily go too much further than that. Sometimes it's just I'm, and, and I let them know. Would it be okay if I ask a question before the session if something like this comes up? Right. Or is, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm, and and you probably are doing the same thing without hands on always, but I know you do some hands on. Yeah. Some work too. sometimes, but but I mean, I think as Gestalt therapists, particularly, but other therapy or other therapists too, they use their own body and their reactions. You know, if things are stuck, for example. Right. You feel it in your body, mm-hmm. and if things are moving, you can also see the shifts in a person's face. So we're quite attuned to people's expressions or you see okay so there's a breath coming in right now and until then it was there was not a lot of breathing happening mm-hmm. so you pick up on these things but it becomes then also almost second nature i mean you're your own instrument so to speak and that's where it's important to stay attuned you know do your own work and yeah. do your own therapy and meditate and do yoga and any other spiritual practice i think is really helpful for that yeah, and, and and as far as say we'll call it homework. <laughs> but yeah. <laughs> wait, what do you you know? What's what's the takeaway when you know someone's gone through this whole you know experience? Uh, you know, telling you about something, you you're you're kind of dialoguing about the feeling that they're going through, how they how they experience it in their body, staying in that in that moment. And then sort of leaving with that, where, where do you, where do you kind of, how, how do you direct that, that piece of empowering them as they're going to go on, you know, until they see you the next time? Well, sometimes they, they, you know, people come up with their own idea uh, or yeah. even having an, a different experience is enough. And then we, we check in again the next time. And sometimes, I just ask, so any, any ideas how you could use this during the week? Yeah. Or I make a, I say, can I make a suggestion? And if yeah. they're open for that, then I'll suge- uh, suggest something. Hmm. But it comes always out of the work itself. And oftentimes we do experiments. I had, for example, the other day a client who said, it f- feels like I'm s- standing at an abyss and I'm looking into it. And so we set it up that... The feeling, you know, the, I asked a person to stand up and we picked something in the room that symbolized the abyss and mm-hmm. looked in and noticed, wow, I'm really not stable on my feet. And so we, we worked with that and eventually um, came out with a different experience of standing and being able to look without getting all wobbly. And so then developed some ideas of how he could use this yeah. the next week. And then they come back to you with something that, yeah. that with their their experience throughout the you know week of yeah. working with that one piece. Yes, and oftentimes something else happened, and then that then that becomes the foreground, which <laughs> right. what we call in Gestalt. That's why it's called Gestalt because we always work with what has charge. So whatever mm. is up for the person, it's already lit up, so to speak, which is something in in EMDR therapy. Um, which is a, a different kind of therapy, a very... Yeah, tell, tell me, I, I know a little bit about yeah. it, but I'd, I'd well, love to hear your... Yeah, EMDR is, is I'm, I'm very excited about it because I've been doing it now for almost two years and uh, found it to be very effective and um, 
particularly with trauma, but also uh, in terms of helping people find good resources and improve the quality of their life. And it uses bilateral stimulation. Um, it's not quite clear yet how it works. There is a theory that it's part of, um, it's similar to the REM sleep, where the eyes move to the left and right side. And, and what it does basically is connect information from the right and the left brain in a more integrated fashion. Mm -hmm. So we have cognition and we have more affect. We have images that sometimes don't get processed because the trauma happens and is so overwhelming that we can't think at that time. And, and we might process it in, in one part of the brain. Yes. And it doesn't necessarily get to the, to the, you know, the, the area that actually needs to integrate. Yeah, right. It's not fully integrated, it's so, so to speak, not really stored yet as a memory. Yeah. And so it helps link that information together so you can process it in a, in a way that you can think and feel again at the same time and you tolerate it. But what you do is you light up the experience, so to speak, that you bring people into this place where they feel some activation in their body mm -hmm. because you need that to be able to process but not too much that people get dysregulated. But So people come in and they're activated because something happened during the week. And then I'm not saying, well, let's hang on. We have some other work to do from last week. We go with whatever is right, gestalt. Yeah. yeah. In that moment, what's in the foreground of a person's mind and what, what are you already activated around? Because that's what you want to work. That's where the charge is. And then that's where the transformation is happening. How do you use the EMDR in your practice? Um, I have some people now who come specifically for EMDR because they heard about it and, and it's one of the most effective and fastest way. And I would add, I find it so playful too. Yeah. And it's very resourceful. Um, again, it's, it's really based on the experience and assumption that when given the, the space and the, the enough support that people process and transform things in a beneficial kind of way. Mm -hmm. So there is a self-regulating piece that we all have, and we always move towards wholeness. So that's the premise of Gestalt therapy yeah. and also EMDR and My other therapy. Too. Yeah. I think that's because it, it actually is true. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so what I do is sometimes I do only resourcing with people and resourcing means, for example, if people haven't had a nurturing experience with their parents or have never had the experience of being protected, we can still recreate that experience by um, imagining, mm -hmm. which is a cool thing that imagining actually works. The yeah. same thing is happening. I think that's why we, for example, take so many pictures when we're on vacation, because when we look at them, we get that relaxed feeling back and so we're just using that in a more um, intentional kind of way and use bilateral stimulation because it strengthens that experience and we go with an image that elicits a felt sense in your body and an emotional response and then you put that together so to speak and makes it very vivid yeah. and so then if you recall that image within a split second you can actually access the felt sense of it which allows you to shift your experience when you're for example very stressed you can move into a much more relaxed kind of place just using these images or resources, which mm. is a really cool way of 
supporting yourself, particularly during these times. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, it, you just reminded me of the, the image part. Speaking of playful, I went to go see the the Batman Lego movie with my son. Oh yeah, and and my daughter went too. <laughs> I think it was it was it was a much deeper movie than I was expecting, and I I think a lot of it went over my six year old's yeah. head, but my thirteen year old definitely got into bits of it. So a, a big part of it, if you know Batman's story at all, he his parents died when he was young. He was adopted, right, or something. Mm -hmm. So there was an image on the wall of. of the, it's like the Bat Cave. I don't know what they call it now in the Lego movie, but, <laughs> but it's this image of him with his parents in the background, and they keep flashing back to this image, which is what he's really stuck on, and and the movie is really all about the problem he has with relationships and intimacy. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and he ends up sort of adopting this other little boy to go through the experience of his adoption process, and the <clears throat> he. When he's alone by himself, he, he's he watches all these romantic comedies, and but it's all in Lego pictures. So it's like Jerry <laughs> Maguire and the part where you know he says, you know, you complete me. <laughs> and then he has this other relationship going on with the Joker, who is his nemesis. Right. And the whole movie is about how they complement each other yeah. and how they can't live without each other. And the Joker plays this, you know, trick on him to, to make it seem as if, you know, he's, he, he no longer has a nemesis Wow! and it just, you know, it yeah. ruins him for a while. <laughs> <laughs> but the, but that, the, they keep flashing this, this image and how he, they keep using this image over yeah. and over again of the, of the family, you know, the, the right. lost family that he yeah. sort of has. And I, I was like, this is, you know, uh, almost as good as that other uh, movie that was done, the the animated movie that was the Inside Out. The Inside yeah. Out movie. I was like, man, this is really yeah, it's deep, heavy. Yeah, yeah, and but it, I think it really illustrates a couple of things that is so important in in Gestalt therapy too, where it's we we call it basically unfinished business. So if there is a lack or something, or if we haven't received something, I think part of us still knows and longs for it particularly with relationships. We long for attachment. It's one yeah. of our basic systems. It's just that the survival system is usually, just, or not usually, it is the strongest yeah. system. And so um, the attachment, the longing for connection is is there. And if you haven't had it, the longing is still there and you look for completion, basically. And so in some ways you can look at people who find themselves over over in, in situations that they can't quite get yet, I see it now as an attempt to get that experience that they're looking for. It's another mm. opportunity, so to speak, to get actually the experience that they, they some part of them knows or of us knows that that's possible and that that feels good and that's what we want. Wow. That's really great. <laughs> yeah, it's really great work. And I also think, you know, as therapists too, I mean, definitely for me, I know that I'm, um, as I'm doing this work, I'm also healing myself. I'm asked to always do my own work. But I also know that I started out trying to complete something with my family, obviously. Yeah. So no, no surprise, I went to a substance abuse treatment center and yeah. <laughs> work with families and um yeah. Yeah, and that's it's very exciting, I think, and challenging, and and just beautiful. Yeah, yeah. I think we all, so many of the people in my field, we're we're all kind of coming from the the same place of of healing something, 
but I, but I do think it's, it's helped me a lot in my career to be able to talk to people about my yeah. experience. And I think people are sort of surprised, you know, it's, it's kept me on top of my own personal game to do the work yeah, that I do absolutely. because I, I just have to be in that place yeah. to, to help people. And, and I think when I tell people my story, you know, of, of having chronic back pain at a really young age, they're, they're very surprised and they, you know, they, they'll ask me like, well, how are you now? Yeah. <laughs> you know? And it, they're, they're just amazed that, you know, yeah. especially if they're going th- through that, but it really helps them, you know, I, I, I think it, I, I try to give people, you know, some sense of not necessarily timeline, but just yeah, of just definitely. process that, you know, yeah. it's, you know, it's, and it's really about st- sort of taking these, these steps one at a time to just work on the, on that, that thing that, you know, that is gestalt that what's, what's going yeah. on right now. Let's work on this thing. You know, in, in, in the pain world, it would be like this, let's, let's focus on the symptom, but see how it relates to the whole. Right. Exactly. Well, and, and stay with the discomfort, right? Because yes. there's a message in there yeah. that we're not quite in that whole place, but it's part of the whole place too. So that's what I find so interesting too. I don't think there is, I would, for example, not say that health is the absence of illness. I think no. we can be very healthy yeah. uh, in how we relate to any kind of symptoms. Yeah. And that that actually brings us more into, it, we're already whole, so there's nothing that needs to be fixed, but into greater awareness and and, and expansion so that, um, yeah, that there's transformation. I'd love to explore this conversation that we started earlier over dinner <laughs> about what's happening right now with with the the, the state of affairs. I I, I mean, I, partly because I'm I'm so like I the things that I'm that I'm hearing in my in my practice, yeah. the the anxiety driven uh, yeah. things that are going on right now, and you know I think you know to some extent the the media has really sort of you know taken advantage of a situation yeah but that being said there are some there are some horrible things going on and 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 it and it's coming from i i think a, a place where we can really study men, mental health and and sort of what's going on right now uh, with the leadership in our country and we started talking a little bit about you know in a way having empathy for what's you know who the, with what's going on with these people and why they've gotten to this point or, or, you know, why were, why these people are, are so xenophobic and, you know, that, that kind of stuff. I, I'm just, I'm so interested to hear your take from your experience now. Yeah. I mean, the, the, what's tricky is that, that usually people with that kind of, um, I mean, I think we all know when, when we say narcissistic, what that means, being really centered around yourself and not mm-hmm. concerned with the well-being of others. And it's a very young place developmentally. You know, mm-hmm. when we grow up, when we're babies or toddlers, we don't have any concern or consideration necessarily for that there is an other that also has needs and wants. And I think that's part of part of the difficulty is that people like that don't look for connection necessarily 
um, because they've lived too long in this shutdown place, I think. Mm -hmm. And relationship might have been too scary or what they've experienced growing up as relationships. So the only way to deal with that is to focus on yourself and and shut down your whole system to others. But usually that's not the people we see coming into therapy. It's usually the people who suffer yeah. from uh, being around someone like that, where they're not considered and where they're, where they're victimized. Yeah. And it's usually people on, in, in that place, in the more helpless, hopeless, victimized kind of place who yeah. are looking for help, luckily. And I think, though, that oftentimes what we see is, is a response to having experienced trauma in the past, you know, I mean, I obviously don't know what, what happened to these people, and I'm in no way trying to excuse um, the behavior and the, the violations. Yeah. Um, and I think that f fear comes out of fear. Yeah. That if, if people haven't experienced fear in that way, they're also not recreating that fear. And so I think what, what happens is that people get stuck in this, what, what is called the victim-perpetrator kind of dynamic where you feel hopeless for a long time and then soon or helpless. And then if you get some more power, if you grow up, and particularly as white males, there's a lot of power um, in, in a lot of different ways. And then you use that power because that feels better. And that's where the anger comes in, where the fighting comes in, taking away from other people and violating their, their rights because it feels better than to be on the other side. And they haven't learned how to cooperate and be in contact with each other, which means you have each other's best interest at heart. Right. And that's not happening. It's very difficult to get in contact with someone who is like that. If there's no consideration for the other, what what way in do you have? Yeah. And and I and I, th I feel like there's a fear, you know, with that with that power being being a white man. Yeah. <laughs> uh, with with that power, I think, and I, I don't know if I experienced this the same way. I think uh, having been having grown up with a single parent with my mother and my two aunts, <laughs> wow. I think I relate much more to mm -hmm. what women go through because I I saw it more firsthand. Yeah. So uh, you know, as as a father, I'm sometimes uh, you know. I'm I'm not sure what a father is supposed to do or what a father is supposed to be like, but um, but but I think most white men, just from from my point of view, and also because I grew up in a fairly multicultural neighborhood when I was growing up, I I think when once you once you have tested that power or been you know moved along easily through something simply because of uh, being male and white. You you start to fear the loss of that, yeah. Which which came sometimes very easily, and I and I well, feel yeah, like that in given, my life sometimes. Right? Yeah. yeah, yeah, And and I and I I think this there's a there's a generation who who grew up with a certain sense of entitlement with with that, and in a way they didn't develop you know empathy skill and you know they didn't they didn't really grow certain parts yeah. of their th themselves. Yeah, yeah, and I think it's it's part of that that the times growing up but but certainly uh, having having the privileges yeah. of being white and male and i mean um it's it's such a difficult topic because i think it's so complex and again it's it's 
really not an excuse because there's people who grew up in, you know, violated and and abused and are not doing that. So we have to really see that this is also something that you can take charge over and you take the responsibility for what you do with that. Um, Absolutely. There's no question about that. And I can see, though, now knowing more about trauma and the nervous system, how often we get stuck in this fight response where there's rage and and anger. And I think part of what we need these days is to to bridge that divide within ourselves, too, and really see how are we perpetrating? How am I perpetrating? You know, and I do it all the time and in, in big ways and in subtle ways and I think part of the work is to to notice what we're doing with ourselves. You know, so many people have such a strong critical part who beats up on them relentlessly, and it's so internalized. And that's something that we have to heal within ourselves and outside of ourselves. And we have to do, do both simultaneously yeah. with each other and inside of each other. I don't think it you can heal it with within yourself without doing it also outside and with the support of other people. Yeah. And hopefully that's something a therapist can provide. Yeah. Do you, do you, do you try to, when, when you're kind of going through what's happening in the political state of things, try to explain what's, what's going on with, with do you, do you get into that at all with, with what, what you think is going on, why they're, why they're behaving the way they are or what's, what's happening to help, to help people understand not necessarily to have empathy for them, but but to but to kind of um, create some kind of structure to where we've where we've gotten to and and why does 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 that enter into things at all? Yes, absolutely. I think I I especially if people are interested and in, and a lot of people actually came after the election say why is this happening? Yeah. And I think as therapists too, we're, we're human beings and that means also we're political. And mm. I, I think we have to, That's a great point. we have to respond to these questions. Again, I, I see therapy is a dialogue and from one human being to the other. And if we can't talk about these existential questions and are not open with what our take on it is, then I think we're missing a big opportunity. Um, and I do think that knowledge is power. So if we talk about, for example, I talk with most people about this victim perpetrator because I see it happening in, in everybody and mm-hmm. I see it clearly within myself. I mean, yeah. the biggest part for me was to forgive myself for things that I have done and continue to do. Um, but also being from Germany, you know, I think growing up, I've always had that struggle with being German and what that means and taking responsibility and being aware of how we treat each other and the importance of not repeating what happened and taking responsibility. Yeah. And, and, and forgiveness. Absolutely. And that's why I think, and I know this is a struggle and I don't always feel it, the empathy, but I think it is important that we do have compassion because if we, if we don't, then we also, ignore and deny that we have that part in ourselves and i think one of the things that might be helpful right now is how obvious it is it's so very obvious and i think that that might be helpful actually because people are awake and aware which is beautiful to see for me and be a part of 
and and in some ways you could i think define actually health as awareness if you want to give one single word yeah and i think this is our opportunity to be aware and bridge these polarities it, it does feel like that moment to me i, I, I didn't yeah. live in the 60s i just just made it <laughs> starting in the 70s but i feel like i was i was the you know the child of someone who lived through an extreme uh change period and i i feel that sort of momentous energy going on at this time too and and i and i feel like it's it's been building and this is this is really just the you know culmination of years and years of you know an, an oppressive uh, culture in, in a lot of ways you know yeah. I, I think so many so many people are struggling financially and it's that's that's just been on a you know since the 70s really it's been on on a slow decline uh, fewer and fewer people have most of the money and that 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 effect is really i think what led to where where we are right now i think it's easy to sort of say that <clears throat> the 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 people to blame are the people who don't know better on on the you know republican side but i i find it's i think the 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 anger and the struggle was there just as as much on on the on the more liberal side of things and and what what bernie sanders was sort of speaking to i feel like it's 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 really on both sides and it, yes. it's and and i and i and i do feel like there just there just needs to be a bridge now in terms of how we can how we can communicate about this absolutely and i think it is about recognizing the underlying need to or needs um on both sides yeah. and finding ways as you say how to how to bridge that but i think a big part is acknowledging that needs are valid and that that people are very much in a survival mode and when we're in survival mode we get scared and when we're scared our cognitive function is shutting down yeah. which means we yeah. can't think that well and so we go with the emotional reaction yeah. versus thinking about it and feeling and i've caught myself so many times during oh, yeah, this process going yeah. through that oh absolutely and we all do right that's part of being an animal because yeah. we are also animals it's and the nervous system yeah, yeah that... is geared towards keeping us survive you know alive yeah. and but what we need to do is we need to help the nervous system regulate so it can make really informed decisions and also not just not just thinking about yourself but also about the the bigger picture you know and being able to hold your own all your different parts and all your different opinions that you have about it and feelings that you have about it but to stay regulated and grounded yeah. And I think that's what we need these days, particularly is to be able to um, be in a in a contactful, open place where we do have power. And I'm not saying yeah. it's not okay to be angry. It's absolutely okay to be angry. What I'm talking about is when we're in the rage, because the rage is not in contact. When yeah. you're enraged, you don't see the bigger picture. You don't see what's best for everybody in this situation. You just look to survive. Yeah. And that's what we need to regulate. That works well. You know, if you, if you really have to fight for your life, that works well. Yeah. But if you have to work together with other people that doesn't work so well if there's no tiger and and, there, exactly. and, and you just have a difference of opinion yeah yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah 
Well, thank you so much for doing this with me. This was so well, thank you. lovely uh, and informative, and I, I I've learned a lot about what you do. And I'm, yeah, I'm, and I love that that you're that you're doing this work. And part what what's so beautiful for me is having been your client yeah. um, with your craniosacral work and just experiencing how similar it actually is. I mean, we talk less, yeah. but the process is very much like um, a um, transformative transformative uh, experience, more coming through the body, but including emotions and thoughts and insights and, and visuals and images and And I, I, I think the common theme maybe with everything here is that we, we really need this I mean, in my work, I, I, I feel like the, the biggest part of what I'm trying to do is create this space for people yeah. um, to, to, to do their work. Sometimes it can be, you know, sometimes people need to talk a little bit through that. Yeah, and I, exactly. I'm, I'm open to the talking, but yeah. sometimes people need to be quiet and yeah. just be in, in that space. And I, I'm, I'm kind of, you know, in, in terms of what I'd like to do with the podcast and in terms of um, helping the relationship dynamic between uh, you know, all the people who are sort of around this world of, of health and, and, mm-hmm. and, and trying to see something, trying to see more of a sort of health improvement type, yeah. type uh, system or, you know, way of doing things. I, I feel like we, we, we need to have this open space to, to, to learn from each other. Absolutely. And then, you know, what I love about when, when I, for example, have a session with you, I'm always reminded and I'm always finding this place inside of me where I'm already whole, where everything is already yeah. good. And I find as a therapist, it's so helpful for me to hold that for people. As you said a little earlier, you know, not like a, almost like a timeline. If you stay in this process, you will move towards wholeness and yet we're already whole yeah you know and to have the trust in that and be able to hold that even if someone is in a complete crisis that's the basis i think where you then can do the work because you trust that so thank you yeah (laughs) and that's that's a great reminder thanks so much for doing this you're very welcome thank you bye 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 After listening through our conversation again, I've found so many amazing quotes that I might have to put them online. So many wise nuggets and brilliant reminders for us as we go through the ever-changing states of our experience as human beings. I hope you have a better sense of what Gestalt and EMDR therapies are now as well. This conversation in particular felt like a mini course and was a great reminder of how these different therapies can be practical tools that we can use to bridge connections within our multidimensional selves, especially when we're struggling to keep our sense of wholeness. I find personally, especially at this point in my life, being married with a teenager, a six-year-old, aging parents, a busy practice, and a podcast, that this is essential for me to keep resources around me when I feel overwhelmed or I'm losing my passion for my work, my creative endeavors, relationships, or whatever. When I make recommendations to my clients about working with someone like Karn, I often find resistance and hear that they don't like talk therapy. I know it's difficult to be in a place when you find yourself in this struggle, whether it's pain, a relationship, dependency, or with your own behavior. Remember, though, that we are creatures of habit, and the nervous system likes patterns. And change, even if for the better, is still a change. That means a break of the pattern. It means effort from our brain's point of view. And I understand that this is part of the resistance. My suggestion is that if you are considering any, any type of therapy, go into it without expectations. Develop a spirit of adventure, Don't judge yourself or what you find. 
Remember, any kind of therapy is about developing awareness, which is another thing Karin suggests might be another way to think about what health is. Let me know what you thought of this topic and conversation. You can go to highwaytohealthpodcast.com and send me a message. Thank you for listening. Be good to yourselves. Be kind to each other. Take care of the planet. Be well, my friends. If you enjoy podcasts like this, you should check out our other shows on Health Podcast Network. For example, Better with Dr. Erica, hosted by Dr. Erica, provides support and guidance in navigating stress-related challenges to transform your relationship to self-care. Each episode arms you with the tools needed to be better, do better, and live better. There was an incredible episode that you should check out called Touch and Connections as Tools for Healing and Better Mental Health. In this episode, her guest breaks down ways to use physical touch as a form of healing for trauma and grief. Check out Better with Dr. Erica on your favorite podcast platform or visit healthpodcastnetwork.com.